I want to take a few moments to um, talk about a discussion that took place this past Wednesday night at the um, elder and deacons meeting. Um, Jack was there and the other elders were uh, traveling, and that, that happens, this, happens a lot during this time of year, so that's understandable. But um, we, we discussed some events that took place after the week that the bilingual Hispanic group was working here in Coleman. I'm going to title this the Hispanic-speaking church in Coleman, not the Hispanic church, but it's the um, Hispanic-speaking church. And there's a lot of background to this that I also want to go into as um, I share with you what, what happened after those young people were here. And I've made mention of this several times in the newsletter, but every year for about two months, Greg Perkins, who's one of the preachers that we support, Greg works in Albertville, and he gets together a, a team of, of Christians that can speak English, and they can also speak Spanish, and they go to different communities. And in most of those communities at this point, there is a Hispanic-speaking church. Um, we do not have that in, in Coleman, but in most of the areas listed in the newsletter, churches have been established. And so they go and, and they work in the community and they set up Bible studies and then they encourage those that are interested from those studies to attend those Hispanic-speaking congregations. Well, again, we're, we're somewhat um, at a disadvantage here in Coleman because we don't have a place necessarily to, to, to send those or they didn't have a place. Well, it just... Um, it just so happens that uh, a few days after the group was here, uh, Greg calls me and he said, there's a, there's a new development. And what it is, is a, a lady who is a Christian and has been a, a faithful member. Greg said she's probably one of the most solid Christians he's ever worked with. She can't speak English. Um, she has moved from Albertville to Hartzell. And she doesn't have a place to go to church. Well... Obviously, she would be welcome at Westview and Hartzell. She'd be welcome here. But she wouldn't understand what we're doing. So, um, Greg and I talked about it. And what Greg is going to do is come over to Coleman. And he's going to start a worship service for the Hispanic-speaking community, which will include Maria the lady who's going to be coming down from Hartzell, and Juana and Freddie, her husband, and these are Christians who do, do live here in Colton. And when we had the Hispanic Bible class at our home, and many of you will remember when we, we did that, um, Juana and Freddie attended those, those classes, and they have two children. And, and I really don't know where this is going. So, so don't, you know, it's kind of hard to say for sure what exactly is going to happen. But next Lord's Day, um, it'll either be Greg or Venicio, and I'll say more about him in a moment, but, but Greg or Venicio will be here, and we're going to have a room designated in the back for them to meet at 9 o'clock. And so it'll be Greg or Venicio doing the teaching. Maria will be here, Juana and Freddie, and there may be others. And they're going to have a Hispanic worship service. Now, why 9 o'clock? Well, the reason they're going to do it at 9 o'clock is because there may be children that will come with them. The children 
have no problem speaking English. So whatever children will come with them and will be a part of, of what they're going to be doing here, those children will be in our Bible classes. You know, I guess to be a little bit challenging when you've got adults who can't speak English and children who speak English very well, well, where are you going to go to church? You know, it, it kind of makes it a, a bit of a challenge. So, so Greg, he, he wants to come over. He's going to be involved. He'll come here. Greg's one of the elders in the church at, at Albertville in addition to being uh, a preacher there. He'll be coming over here and he'll be conducting the wor worship service at 9 o'clock and then he'll be leaving in time to get back to preach at their worship service in Albertville. Um, Greg's not afraid to travel. <laughs> He's not afraid to burn up the road. Um, he also preaches in other places on Sunday afternoon. I think he goes to Rome, Georgia. Uh, goes to Cedartown, maybe Newton, Georgia. He, he just spreads himself a lot around a lot. But when Greg's not able to be here, uh, Vinicio, who preaches at West Blockton, their worship service takes place in the building of the West Blockton Church of Christ in the afternoon at 2.30. So Vinicio will be able to come up here at 9 o'clock and he'll conduct the Hispanic worship service and then he'll be leaving and going back to West Blockton to con conduct their service at 2.30. And as I said earlier, I'm not really sure where this is going to go, but I know it's about to get started. Now, this is not the first time in Coleman this has happened. I don't know that I've shared this with you, but, but back in the 2000s, about 20 years ago, when, when we were members at South Coleman, uh, Greg did the same thing. I met Greg back in 1997, he was preaching for the church in Albertville at Hillside Chapel, and that was an English-speaking church. But uh, met Greg through some preaching that I did there, and then he became interested in Coleman, uh, came over to Coleman, started a Hispanic work, met several times in the building at South Coleman. It grew to be about 30 or 35 members, and for some period of time, some of you may remember this, the old House of Shoes. Uh, they met in that building for quite some time. And then things kind of went south, and I won't go into the details, but some things happened, and there was a preacher that, you know, one of the, one of the worst things that can happen is when, when Americans get involved in, in foreign works, even when those foreign works are on American soil, and we think they have to do everything the way we do it. And I assured Greg that we're not going to mess this one up. Uh, some folks at South Coleman got involved and, and messed it up. I, I won't go into any more detail than that, but it, it just, it, it gradually imploded with time, but hopefully, the Lord willing, um, this is an opportunity to start that once again and, and, and get it going where God wants it to go. So just be praying for that, and, and, and next Sunday, whatever happens, happens, and um, it's, not, it's not good timing for my family because we'd already planned to go to New Mexico. Uh, next week, and we will not be here. But um, just expect to see maybe some friendly, uh, more friendly Hispanic space faces next next Lord's Day. But here's the question: What can I do as a member of this congregation? What can I do? Well, one of the things that you can do for the workers is is pray, and pray, and pray, and pray, and then pray some more. And you've got all the time that God would allow for you to be involved in this work insofar as your prayer. 
Do you believe in prayer? Do you believe what the Bible says about prayer? Do you believe that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much? Then pray. Pray for this work. I'm mindful of, of the, the opportunities that God presented to the, the, the New Testament church as we read through the book of Acts and, and see how God blessed them. You'll notice in Acts chapter 13 at the church at Antioch, it states that there were prophets and teachers. He names those individuals. And then he says in verse 2, while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And this is the beginning of the first missionary journey. Then when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Why did they pray? Why did they fast? It was a time of reflection. It was a time for them to let God know they wanted evangelistic success. They wanted souls to be saved. And so they prayed for that effort. And as you get on into the book of Acts, you'll notice in chapter 14 when Paul and Silas came back to the church at Antioch, Paul and Barnabas, having been sent out, You'll notice in verse 27, when they had arrived and gathered the church together, they began to report all things that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. Well, I can't help but believe that it was the prayer of the disciples for that effort that moved God to act and work providentially so as to open those doors for the gospel. As this new work begins, what can I do? What can you do? We can all pray. In Ephesians chapter 6, once again, and there are actually several verses that, that uh, make this point, but in Ephesians 6 and verse 19, the apostle Paul wrote, Pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. Pray for grace. Pray for, for Venicio. Pray for others who are going to be involved in this work. In the book of Colossians, in the fourth chapter, when Paul was writing to that church and he was encouraging them to be devoted to prayer, be devoted to the matter of prayer, he wrote in verse 2, devote yourselves to prayer. Verse 3, praying at the same time for us as well that God will open to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I have also been in prison that I may make it clear in the way that I ought to speak. Why would Paul ask for their prayers if he didn't believe in the power of prayer? Do you believe in the power of prayer? For the workers, you can pray. Secondly, you can encourage them this is going to sound like an infomercial. You can encourage them through your financial support. You're already doing that. Several have sent funds individually to support the work that Greg and his workers have been doing over the last two months. As a congregation, we've been supporting Greg for years. As a congregation, a discussion has taken place, and I think we're probably going to begin to support Venicio uh, partially in the work that he does while he comes up and works here in Coleman. Nick Persaw has mentioned this several times as, as the treasurer. 
what it is that needs to go through our minds as, as we contribute to the local church. And I appreciate the fact that we always make that statement that if you're a visitor, you know, we don't expect your contribution. But as members, there are things that we need to think about. Whenever we contribute, it is an act of worship. But God has blessed us, and we talked about this in our Bible class last quarter, God has blessed us so that we can be a blessing to others. And those who are laboring, those who are teaching, those who are preaching, they have a right to receive that blessing. In Galatians chapter 6, Paul wrote in verse 6, Galatians chapter 6, the one who has taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. And then he says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. Well, notice the connection here between our giving, our financial support, and those things which are spiritual. Let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are of the household of the faith. I think that would be a, a reference not only to general benevolence, for the sake of the, the saints, but also for those who preach the gospel, such as Greg and Venetio and those who are going to be involved in this work. In Philippians chapter 4, other food for thought. Beginning at verse 10, Paul was writing about what he received from the brethren at Philippi in financial support. And Paul wrote in Philippians 4 and verse 10, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. In verse 15, you yourselves also know. They, they revived their concern for him by sending a, 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 a gift, a financial gift for his support. You yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Not that I seek the gift itself. Now, here's where I come into the picture. I seek for the profit which increases to your account when I support these type efforts. When I support the preaching of the gospel, it, it benefits me as well. I have received everything in full, and I have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent. Now notice the language. A fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. That's the language of worship. Whenever we contribute... Yes, that is an act of worship. And whether it's helping to support this new work or helping to support preachers in other places or helping to support us local preachers, remember that that's not just a matter of writing a check and, and, and checking something off a list. That is an act of worship. That is an act of worship. 
and we have been blessed so that we can bless. Uh, a verse of scripture came up in, in the Bible class that we recently had that I'm going to ask you to look at. It's, a, it's the last book of the Old Testament that'll help you find it. It's the book of Malachi. And it was one of the books that was written or spoke of a prophet who served after the Babylonian captivity. The Jews returned from captivity. They were back in the land, but things weren't going so well. And the reason they weren't going so well is because they were neglecting their duties. But notice in verse 8 of chapter 3, the question is asked, will a man rob God? Yet, you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? And God says, in tithes and offerings. Now, we understand that under the new covenant, we do not have the, the same obligation to tithe as they did under the old, old covenant. But we do have a responsibility to give. And we're respons we, we're, we are commanded to actually do that very thing. But then he says, now here's the, here's the key. Notice in verse 10. And before I read this, what, do you, what goes through your mind when I say, test God? Well, you say, well, we shouldn't do that. You remember how God condemned the Jews for, for test, putting him to the test? Did you know that there's one area where you can actually test God? Well, here it is. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. You see what he's saying there? He's saying, test me. You give. God says, you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. Test me in that. Just see. Sow bountifully and see if I won't keep my promise. And the promise that we just read was, God will bless you bountifully if you sow bountifully. That is a principle. Oh, that's Old Testament. No, that's a, that's a principle even of New Testament giving. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, when Paul was writing about the contribution for the needy saints, notice what Paul writes. Look at this closely. If you've never seen this, Look at it. If you have seen it, look at it with fresh eyes. Look at the promise of God. Now this I say, verse 6, He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. God said, test me. Test me in this. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. Notice the word grace there. Grace means unmerited favor. You ever heard someone say, how are you doing? I'm doing better than I deserve. What do you have? I have more than I deserve. Well, that's a matter of God's grace. And here the promise is that as a result of God's grace, you will have all sufficiency in everything and you will have an abundance for every good deed if you sow bountifully. For it is written, verse 9, he scattered abroad, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now he, that is God, who supplies seed to the sower 
and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. For you will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. If you give, you will receive. Now, you got to do a little bit of heart check up here. Okay, I need a raise, so I'm going to give a dime so I'll get a dollar. Now, you can't have that thinking. You have to be a cheerful giver. But God has said, test me, test me, and see if I won't bless you bountifully. And then finally, what can I do? Well, I can use their work to inspire my own. Aren't you encouraged? Weren't you encouraged if you were here Wednesday night and you heard Benicio uh, preaching in, in Spanish and Jesus translating and getting to know uh, Jocelyn and Claudia, just seeing what it was that they were doing. And I know some of you took pictures of them out talking to people at parks. You caught them, you caught them doing their jobs. Uh, wasn't that encouraging? Well, when we see people working, we're encouraged to work. I think about Acts chapter 8 when the church was persecuted and the disciples spread. The Bible says that they went everywhere. Those who had been scattered went about preaching the word, and yet the apostles stayed back in Jerusalem. Well, why were they going around spreading the word? I believe they took seriously that great commission. They, understand, they understood that they had a role to play. But don't you know don't you know that those who saw the apostles working and preaching and teaching and devoting themselves to the word, don't you know those who saw that were encouraged? And it inspired them to go out and to work as well. In the 21st chapter of the book of Acts, let's think about this. In chapter 21 of the book of Acts, beginning at verse 17, note this, Paul comes to Jerusalem. What has Paul been doing since he obeyed the gospel? He's been, he's been preaching among the Gentiles. And he comes to Jerusalem to report on the work that he had been doing. And he says in verse 17, after we arrived in Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. And the following day, Paul went in with us to James and, and the elders were present. And after he had greeted them, he began to relate one by one one by one, the things which God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. And when they heard it, they began glorifying God. They were inspired by the work, by the efforts of others. Use what these individuals are going to be doing to inspire you to do the same. I'm going to use it to inspire me to become more involved in this type of work. I think about the church at Thessalonica. Jack began a class on, on this book this morning. The church at Thessalonica, what, what were they known for? Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. You'll notice, let's just go ahead and drop down to verse 8. Uh, the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith toward God has gone forth so that we have no need to say anything. Look at the impact that their work had upon disciples in other places. They were talking about it. It was the buzz. 
They were, they were sharing what they knew about the church at Thessalonica, and that would have been encouraging to them. They themselves report about us what kind of a reception we had with you and how you turned to God and idols to serve a living and true God. Listen to what's going on. Listen to the, the, the success that others are having or just the work that others are doing. Same thing happened numerous times in the life of the Apostle Paul. You'll see this in chapter 3 and verse 6 of 1 Thessalonians. Now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us good news of your faith and love, that was their work. And that you always think kindly of us, longing to see you just as we also long to see you, longing to see us just as we also long to see you. For this reason, brethren, in all our distress and affliction, we were comforted about you. Life's not so good. I'm suffering. But when I hear about others doing good works, I'm strengthened. And then he says, and I love this expression in verse 8, for now we really live. You have revived me in my faith. You have rekindled my spirit because of the work that you're doing. So ask questions. Get involved. Pray. Encourage them through financial support or just through your words. And then use their work and their efforts to inspire you in your own. That's what you can do. Help me to do that, and I'll help you to do the same. If you're here this morning and you've never obeyed the gospel, then we're going to sing a song of invitation that will encourage you to do that very thing. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, who he claimed to be? Are you willing to repent of your sins? to confess the faith, to repent of your sins, and then to be baptized to have those sins washed away. If you're willing to do those things, then you can leave here this morning a Christian as we stand and as we sing this song. Please come.